This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Join you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Uh, I start again with an apology. No, I've not yet recovered. I'm still not 100%. Um, I'm incredibly tired, as you can probably tell. Um, but the show must go on. So I need to stop whinging, stop complaining. Um, you know, stiff upper lips and all that. Uh, but good morning to those joining us in the chat and those listening on Catch Up as well. But this may be a slightly shorter show than what you've come to expect today. Uh, good morning, though, to James, to Maximius, to Blackshine, to Babatundi, uh, Franklin, Paul, Carl, Matt G, Runs with Cows, Jimbo, Franklin, Kaiser. Uh, we got Pika Who, Old Dave, Steve, Barry. We got Stevie and Temi. Uh, we've got jo- uh, we've got Josh and Keith. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Uh, really appreciate your time, as always. Um, and we have to talk about, obviously, the the game last night and the games over the last couple of days as well. We're going to do that and we're going to look ahead to the weekend and also, of course, the latest transfer news, obviously, and some interesting Super League news, which we can expect to probably be rearing its head uh, in the near future based off of what we expect to come out of the news today um but let's crack on shall we we start with the Carabao Cup semi-final which has drawn Fulham against Liverpool and Chelsea against Middlesbrough in what is almost entirely designed to be a Chelsea Liverpool final uh for this year's Carabao Cup competition Liverpool last night went relatively strong in their game against West Ham they didn't start the likes of Salah and and Diaz and Canate and Trent. However, all of those players I have just mentioned did actually come onto the field to play against West Ham. Um, goals from Dominic Zoboslai, two from Curtis Jones, Cody Gakpo and uh, Salah later as he came on the field were enough to absolutely smash uh, Liverpool, uh, sorry, smash West Ham 5-1 in that game. And of course, we know that Chelsea sneaked past Newcastle, Fulham sneaked past Everton and Middlesbrough battered Port Vale to leave us with an interesting matchup in those uh, court, in those semi-final draws. So what this means for Arsenal, of course, is that Liverpool will play against them this weekend. It also means that Liverpool have a two-legged uh, semi-final in this competition across January, where Arsenal will also play them in the FA Cup. Uh, had Arsenal have actually beaten West Ham, we, of course, would be playing them at Anfield this week instead of West Ham, unless, of course, you believe in fate changing after the result being different. But uh, it does, I think, put into perspective the amount of games that Liverpool are now going to have to play. 
Arsenal's other champ or well, Champions League rivals, yes, but title rivals, Manchester City, are involved in the uh, World Club Cup competitions over this festive period have travelled a significant distance to do so. So it seems that Arsenal are travelling the least over Christmas with their games, yes, at Anfield, but then they've got matches against West Ham at home, Fulham away. We've also got that home game against Liverpool in the FA Cup. We've got a game against Crystal Palace at home. Um, before we travel up to face Nottingham Forest, unless we beat Liverpool and we've got a fourth round FA Cup game. So Arsenal aren't particularly travelling far over this Christmas period, but that does mean that they are still going to need to be certainly on it throughout those games. Now, the Super League could return after a ruling expected in the European Court of Justice uh, is expected to change the landscape of this scenario once again. So reading from The Guardian, the official verdict on the case brought by the European Super League company against UEFA will be heard on Thursday. Finally, the primary issue will be resolved is whether UEFA was within its rights to sanction the 12 clubs who wanted to join the breakaway competition. But beneath this, there are many subsidiary issues which added together pose difficult questions about the future of European football. Now, according to Mundo Deportivo, there is an expectation that that ruling will indeed be that UEFA were not um, within their rights to sanction. And there, there is no monopoly in stopping uh, the Super League from realising itself once again. Very interesting indeed to see how this story does develop over the course of the next day in 24 hours. But could we be seeing the return of the European Super League? We know that last time plenty of clubs, including Arsenal and Liverpool, apologised to their supporters and even made promises in the case of Josh Kroenke that they would not be um, doing this in, in its current state. He did stop short of saying never again. He also did stop short, uh, he didn't stop short, sorry, of saying that they Arsenal would never play home games away from North London. So that is certainly something that would change perhaps if the Super League was to take place anywhere else in the world. But we are sure to see more Super League discussion in the coming months, weeks, uh, and certainly years. And we await what's the fallout of this ruling the European Court of Justice is going to be. Now, moving into the field of transfers, and Douglas Luiz is considered by Arsenal to be the perfect player, according to Fabrizio Romano. The Brazilian international and Aston Villa midfielder, however, is not for sale. Aston Villa do not want to lose him. Uh, Arsenal may go into the market in January, attempting to try and sign uh, the midfielder. However, it is going to be very difficult to do. And of course, it is going to be a very, very expensive deal for Arsenal to try and uh, materialise because they've got their own needs in January in other areas, not just in midfield. They tried to sign Douglas Luiz, remember, back in 2022. A £25 million bid was rejected on the final day of the transfer window before he then signed a brand new contract, which makes any potential deal even trickier. Um, but it is a very interesting player, a player that I think would, in fact, improve things. And I think that maybe a lot of us turned our noses up too quickly at uh, just over a year ago. Uh, he is and has improved significantly and uh, is proving to be a very good and very capable Premier League player that is getting Aston Villa into a position where they are actually competing at the very highest heights of Premier League football this season. But Louise may not be the only one that Arsenal wants because according um, to Miguel Delaney in The Independent. Uh, Mikel Arteta wants as many as four players. Uh, this story coming out suggesting that Arsenal want two fullbacks, a midfielder and a forward. Um, and as many of those are wanted in January. However, because of the financial restrictions on the club, it seems that they might have to sacrifice at least two of those wants to get in two of the players they need. Unless, of course, Arsenal are able 
to move on some players. Now, who the players are that Arsenal would move on? You'd imagine to bring in a striker, almost certainly Eddie Nketiah, you would think would have to be moved on. There's been suggestions that Arsenal would be wanting a significant fee if they were to allow uh, Eddie Nketiah to leave the club during the summer. I've talked about how I think Arsenal should be looking for at least £30 million, really, for Eddie Nketiah. The other player is, of course, Reese Nelson. And why is it so important that those two players would make a significant, a significant amount of money for Arsenal? Well, the reason being is because of, you know, you've heard about these words, amortisation and things like that. Well, of course, a player sold that you came through your academy uh, means that there is no transfer fee to offset uh, when it comes to selling them. So any money you make from a sale of Nketiah or Nelson represents a very good boost to your finances on the accounting books for that financial year. So Arsenal able to sell Nketiah and Nelson um, or Smith Rowe, of course. You can throw him into the mix if you would like as well. And they have done very, very well indeed to get a very good amount of money for those players because it wouldn't mean offsetting any kind of transfer fee. That said, it still doesn't seem like any of those players are moving closer to the exit door. Uh, there's been no suggestions that you know clubs are chasing them or um, that we've seen bids or talks underway with Arsenal. Uh, that could change, of course. You know, what are just rumours now could change into full-blown transfer lines come January. But at the moment, it remains quite quiet on the exit front. But seeing as many as four players wanted by Arsenal, I think represents the desire of the club. It represents the desire of Mikel Arteta. And I think it puts us into a position whereby we should be pleased that Arsenal recognise that their squad is not complete and that they are moving in a direction of travel, which would see them ultimately strengthen the squad to a place where they feel they're even more competitive in a sense of competing for a title. That completes today's story. So we're going to move to part two now and your questions right after this. Okay, there's the formalities over. So we can jump into the chat box now and try and tackle as many of your questions as we can. We'll start with Ashley. Uh, are the stars aligning too much on Tony? 18 months left, good relationship with Brentford, Jesus' ability on the wings, quota in terms of sale of English players and English striker links as well, plus that we're in our win-win-win-now stage. Are the stars aligning for Tony? I think those of you that are really keen on the idea of Ivan Tony coming to Arsenal have reason to be uh, positive, you know, about the idea of him coming to Arsenal. All of the noises that we are hearing and seeing are certainly that he wants to choose Arsenal over any other club that might be interested in him. And there is clearly an interest from Arsenal in Ivan Tony. The biggest question mark around this is whether or not we see a move for the player in January. And I, I have always said that I find the idea of a January move to be very difficult. And I think it would require Arsenal to move on Eddie Nketiah for a very good fee. Now, whether or not we see Brentford, see Eddie Nketiah as a potential replacement, or any other club that might be looking to try and sign him, that is, I think, the biggest barrier when it comes to, to Ivan Tony, But I did write a piece that went out this morning talking about these links with Ivan Tony, And I wrote about the specific fact that despite... I and others having doubts about this deal and about whether or not Tony is the right player for Arsenal to go and sign. If indeed Arsenal do sign uh, Ivan Tony, it is a signing like any other that we need to get behind. If any signing is made by Mikel Arteta, that is good enough for me, full stop. I have reason to trust that deal because we've seen such a fantastic progression of our players in this squad. It doesn't mean that we can't have conversation about whether or not we think it's the right player. That's a separate discussion. But whether or not I need to support this player 
is already made up as soon as they pull on that red and white shirt. As soon as Mikel Arteta decides that they are the right player for Arsenal to move for, I have more than enough reason to believe that we are moving in a positive direction in that regard. So, yes, Ashley, I would absolutely agree with you in that sense. Uh, Matthew says, uh, Klopp asking the Anfield crowd to be on their toes from the first minute on the weekend. Looks like we're going to face a very different Liverpool. I think the game at the weekend is uh, and will be very, very different to the game that we have seen played uh, the last couple of times that we've, of course, been there. I think Arsenal are in a much stronger position than they were. We have William Saliba this time around. Declan Rice, of course, is in the squad. And I think that we're on a, a series of, of game momentum, which will go into this game very, very nicely indeed. Uh, Arsenal need to avoid losing at the absolute minimum, but should be aiming to win this fixture. It was interesting to hear Jurgen Klopp speak about the fans in that way. Uh, he wants to hear more noise. He, he wants to hear a bigger response from those supporters at the weekend. Anfield can be deceptive at times. Yes, you have the never, you'll never walk alone song before the game. However, uh, during the game, sometimes it can be far less um, intimidating. And it's on Arsenal, I think, to help control that environment. They didn't do that in their last two attempts. They've gone there and sadly, Arteta has whipped up the crowd before with his antics on the touchline. And of course, we've had that incident between Granit Xhaka and Trent, which a lot of people accredit to how Liverpool turned things around. I'm not sure if it was the key catalyst in that game, but certainly it was a factor in helping the Anfield crowd respond. And then shortly after they scored, I think that had the biggest impact on things rather than the actual instant between Granite and, and Trent. But still, I think there is plenty to be excited about and plenty to be looking forward to with this game on Merseyside. Uh, Darren says, Zubamendi has a £50 million release clause. Would he be a realistic January or summer target given that Real Sociedad are in the last 16? The problem with Martin Zubamendi is that he has always been very outspoken and very honest about his desire and wants to stay in San Sebastian. And that his kind of viewpoint, if you like, from the perspective of a potential signing of Arsenal's, is that Arsenal aren't the number one for him. And it seems the club he's already at is the number one for him. He's a fantastic player. He's on a track to, to become one of the better uh, defensive midfielders in the world, as we know it right now. And I think he would represent a fantastic piece of, uh, of business by Arsenal to bring in depth to that area of the field. I feel like Barcelona or Manchester City are more likely destinations for him moving forwards. And I see him as a potential um, successor to Rodri or a successor in the long term to Sergio Busquets, of course, who has already moved on from Barcelona. But uh, it's it's possible. But I don't think in January we'll see that we'll see that happen. I think he's still very happy and set at La Real. Uh, Okea says, Tom, from the physique of signings Arteta has made, do you not think that Arteta would prefer a Tony or a Solanke to a Latara Martinez type player? Potentially. Uh, I think it's an absolutely fair point and fair question. Arteta has represented a shift towards taller, more muscular, more physical players. Declan Rice, of course. Kai Havertz, of course, comes into this too. Um, I think we've obviously seen the implementation of that since he first brought players in in 2020, like Gabriel and Thomas Partey, who arrived in his first summer window in charge. And that's continued um, with players like Tomiyasu, very physical fullback, you know, a taller-sided fullback, Jakob Kivior as well, a taller player that can play in those fullback areas. Also, um, we've seen plenty of suggestions to say that that is the case. But his forward line has tended to be much smaller. Jesus. Um, Trossard, you know, these players that have been brought into the attacking positions have tended to be on the smaller side. Kai Havertz is the only example, I suppose, of a player that is slightly different, but has played more so in midfield for Arteta. So, yeah, I think you raise a good point and that uh, a Solanke or a Tony would be 
um, maybe akin to continuing that thread. But don't rule out the possibility of still seeing maybe a more technical, um, dynamic centre-forward still come into the team this coming uh, or upcoming transfer windows. Uh, Lucas says, uh, hi, Tom. Uh, would you have a go to guess the last big player in midfield who helped us win at Anfield? 2-0 with Santi and Podolski scoring in 2013. I think it was... Was it not? Was it 2012, that game? Um, and it was Abu Dhabi, by the way, that, that was the, the key figure in, in that fixture. We played in that uh, horizontal purple and black striped kit. Uh, Podolski scoring his, uh, I think, second goal of the season. I think he scored in the first game of the season as well. Olivier Giroud still not getting on the score sheet by this point. Um, but Robin Van Persie was the year, I think, before that. You remember the ball over the top from Alex Song? Uh, and of course, uh, he came in the back. I think it might was it 2013. I think you're right. I think it might have been 2013. Um, because I remember the summer before the 2012 summer was when we signed Arteta and Per Mertesacker and Andre Santos. Uh, and Arteta because we had the centen was it the centenary or the 125 year um crest uh, as the badge, and we had the black and turquoisey type diagonal kit as well that was the year that van Persie scored that that volley so yeah, i i think the answer to your question is abby diaby lucas um that is the one that you're looking for um and 10a says apparently you said we don't need the atmosphere we had at the emirates last season to perform um <laughs> i don't know what antenna tell me who who speaks these lies <laughs> who speaks these lies i think that they have certainly misconstrued um, my words about atmosphere when we did our uh, our phone-in show about the atmosphere. The argument that we're putting across is that atmospheres certainly can help in terms of form, fitness, um, uh, not fitness, but certainly in terms of form and momentum and um, kind of just determination, I guess. But I think the point that I made is that they're not the be-all and end-all of things. Um, and I think it certainly would help us um, to, 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 to go toward the title having a better atmosphere. Um, but it's not a definitive factor, is it? But antenna. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Please do tell me. Um, who speaks these lies to you? Uh, Lucas says, yes, Tom, it is Diaby, and I hope that Rice can have the same impact as well. That's going to bug me uh, what year it was. Liverpool, nil to Arsenal. That is the last time we've won at Anfield. It is worth pointing out, of course, all of that's coming up at 89. Um, 2012. Was it 2012 or was it 2013? Uh Yes, it was 2012. I was right. I thought it was. Um, yeah, Podolski scores. Uh, so 2011 uh, was when I was when the Van Persie goal was. I thought I was right. So sorry to correct you, Lucas. It was 2012. That's knowledge for you. <laughs> and he says, are Aston Villa a real threat to Arsenal and even a top four position? I think Aston Villa are certainly Champions League qualification candidates. And at the moment, they are only one point beyond. Aston Villa could be top of the Premier League. If Arsenal and Liverpool draw and Aston Villa beat Sheffield United, which we have to admit we expect them to do, um, then Aston Villa will be top at Christmas, um, believe it or not. So there's a reason, another reason to be, I can't, I could not deal with the Haunai Emery retrospect 
you know, and all the takes. If, if Emery's top at Christmas, goodness me, we are going to have to deal with some waffle uh, from people over the course of the next couple of weeks, if that's the case. So not only do we need to win for Arsenal's sake, but just to stop the whinging and whining of the Unai Emery retrospective gang, uh, you know, so that's that's what we need to aim for. Um, Manx Samir says, Tom, I'm not so apprehensive about the Super League as I once was. The Premier League and the PGMOL's constant indifference towards us has prompted a change of heart. Which side of the fence are you on? I think that um, when the Super League situation occurred, I was not on the whole vehemently against it thing. And I also wasn't on the pointing fingers at the club for being so despicable. Because if you're the club in that situation and all the bigger, all the biggest clubs in the world are signing up for this Super League, imagine if we'd have said no. Imagine if we'd fallen out of it. Like imagine if it was just Arsenal and, I don't know, someone else took our place. Aston Villa, even. You know, someone else takes our place and goes into that um, competition. And we're left in the Premier League winning it. But can you, like, it would just be like, people would just look look at us and say, well, uh, well, great, congrats, you won the league. But to be honest, I think all of our best players would start leaving for the Super League and stuff like that. So I completely empathise with the club for going along with it. I'm glad that they took the stand to go against it, as, as other clubs did uh, eventually after the backlash from fans. But it, I wasn't like, furious uh, at Arsenal for joining in with it, if that makes sense. I had empathy for and understanding of, of why they did. And now if it was to happen, I, I I don't know how I'd feel. It depends upon the proposal. The issues I had with the Super League proposals last time was the fact that it was it was a closed shop. There was no promotion and relegation. There was no way to enter it. It was completely separate. There was loads of problems with it. You know, that's why there was... There's lots of backlash. The Champions League is changing next season into a competition which is effectively a league. You know, it's a round-robin league table for the first eight games. There's two more games in the Champions League group, first stage, I should say, next season. Um, and it's in a league format. And then it's knockout towards the end. And I don't see what the format difference would be between that and the Super League in some ways. And there's also suggestions that clubs could get in based on historical merit or on coefficients. So there is an eerie amount of similarity to the proposal of the Super League last time to what this new look Champions League is going to be next season. So, yeah, I, I, people don't like change. The Champions League came in and changed things dramatically uh, when it became the Champions League from the European, um, European Cup. And obviously, we're very attached to this format now. People are frustrated that we're losing the group stage. But the group stage of the Champions League is, is still a relatively modern, you know, last 20, 30 years, a relatively modern iteration of the competition. The European Cup used to be the, 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 the leagues, the, the, the champions of those leagues. You would go into that competition if you were the winner of your league. So I can't help but think that, um, that, that people will get over a, a change very quickly. But you would have to wait and see what the the whole format of it is. I hope that's answered your question as much as I can. It's difficult to get off the fence when you don't know all the ins and outs of what it would look like. Uh, that's what makes it really difficult to have an opinion. Uh, the Salts guy says, hey, Tom, are you still keeping up with Patrick Schick? I'd still take him. I, I Honestly, I, I'm not really. I, I know that, of course, that by Leverkusen, it's been Boniface that's been doing fantastically well for, uh, for Leverkusen as they continue to 
to go onwards. He's got three goals in five Bundesliga games and was injured at the start of the season with both an adductor problem and a calf injury. But he has returned. And in the last game, he started his first start of the season. He scored a hat-trick. 4-0 against uh, VFL Bochum. Um, and uh, maybe that represents just the type of player that Leverkusen have needed. I mean, currently Leverkusen are in a position whereby in the Bundesliga, they are absolutely smashing it. They're doing fantastically well. They are four points clear of Bayern that have a gaming hand over them. And now they're getting Patrick Schick back as well. It is scary what that Leverkusen team could do. I'm kind of glad they're not in the Champions League this season. But Leverkusen looking very good. Jabi Alonso looking like a fantastic coach. Um, and certainly in a position where I think he'll probably become Real Madrid manager uh, and and take over Ancelotti when his time at Los Blancos finally comes to an end. They're probably letting him cook a bit longer in Leverkusen. Um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, he will eventually take over from from Ancelotti and he's doing incredibly well. As And Patrick Schick seems to be returning um, on very good form indeed. Um, Sam says, hi, Tom. I like the round-robin idea in the Champions League, but not that teams get in there solely on merit. I like seeing teams that are unknown from the likes of Austria and Norway. Uh, thumbs up, love the show. Thanks, Sam. Um, yes, I think that the whole merit coefficient thing is ludicrous. You know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that teams would ever get in and qualify for a tournament based upon how big they are. You know, if you separate Chelsea's history with the rest of like footballing history, it's, it's nothing, you know. So it, it, teams cannot get in just based upon historical merit or coefficients. You know, it needs to be through qualifying based upon current standing um and that's the way forwards for for all competitions it should not ever be based on historical merit that you that you get in that is not the way forwards for this sport um benji says i remember what happened to bamford whatever whatever happened to him he was decent for a bit yeah Leeds, of course got relegated in the championship this season so uh you've not heard as much about him rob bob says do you think sehu galassi is worth at a punt on i haven't heard anything about us going for him and i'm surprised He's doing very well in the Bundesliga this season. Is is Sehu Garassi? He's got 17 goals. Um, his age profile, I think, is the question mark. We have also seen players have kind of amazing seasons out the blue, and then not necessarily be able to carry that on. We've seen it at. Um, we've ironically seen it, I think, at Stuttgart. You know, as well, Stuttgart, who used to have Sven Mislintat as, as a key part of their squad. We've seen certain players. Um, uh, have really key games uh, for them as well. I think it was, was it Silas um, who had to change his name because it turned out the name was wrong? Do you remember this story coming out of, was it, um, oh, what was the name? Silas, Silas something. Silas Stuttgart, change name. I'm sure this is a story. Yes, Silas trusted the agent. This is a story coming from The Athletic, so I'm quoting The Athletic, 8th of June, 2021. Silas trusted the agent and went to live with him in Paris. He then changed his identity and papers were created for him in the name of Silas Wamangituka, uh, one of the names of his father, and with a date of birth that was exactly one year different from his own. Uh, you can read that full story about Stuttgart's uh, Wamangituka, who's now now Silas. Um, in fact, his full name, according to Transfermarkt, is Silas Katompa Umvumpa. Um, and you can read all about him. But he, I remember him being linked and having an amazing season one year um, at, at Stuttgart. And, and that led ultimately to uh, to him being linked to Arsenal one year. But I've not heard anything more about that. He got five goals in 30 games last season. He's got three in three goals, three assists this season. He had a cruciate ligament injury. But in 2021, 
he got 11 goals and five assists in 25 games. And I feel like I remember him being talked about in in the case of Arsenal. So, yeah, interesting story. Quite a throwback, that one, to 2021. Um, but there you go. Uh, Carl says, so much for a shorter show. It seems that Carl wants me to finish the show. It, my voice has held up. I'm very happy about it. So I was I was carrying on, and even though my eyes are threatening to close. Um, we're, we're pushing through. We'll see if we can get half an hour out of us, shall we? Um, Tizer says, any truth in the links to Inacio and João Neves? Uh, I've heard nothing about João Neves. Inacio is a name that I have heard crop up. That's not to say that it's, you know, we're going to sign him or anything, but he's certainly a name that I've heard emerge uh, amongst conversations of, of who Arsenal are looking at. Antonio says, Tom, I reach, uh, I reach a point where I really don't care which player we sign. The long player is uh, the long the player is competent and consistent. Um, welcome him to Arsenal. And Antonio, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that there is a point where you just get like just sign the player. Like, it doesn't matter as long as they're good, and we have no reason to not trust what Arsenal do at the moment. We've made some fantastic moves in the market that have led us to the point where we are challenging for a title on you know successive seasons. So, yes, you're absolutely right, Antonio. There gets to a point where it's just like, who gives a flying you-know-what who we sign as long as they are good and as long as they do a good job? So, yes, um, it does kind of go against the business model of this show. <laughs> and I hope that you will continue to tune in to find out who these names are, Antonio. But I absolutely empathise with, uh, with your view on that one. Um, did we find out? Did we get a response from Antenna? From, do you remember the question that Antenna said earlier on in the chat that uh, Antenna said apparently... I've said that we don't need the atmosphere we had at the Emirates last season, which was a lie. Um, I don't know where Antenna heard that from. I, I haven't seen a follow-up comment from him, so I'm going to assume it was just trolling, I imagine. Maybe. Um, Hussain says, does Shaheen still say that we need to sell Erdegaard and raise funds? I'm sure Shaheen feels that way. <laughs> Shaheen's fantastic when he goes off in his little rants about Erdegaard, isn't he? Um but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Shane's doing well. He's moved away from the UK, so we've not been able to do the Arsenal Lounge in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was always very funny talking about Erdegaard. Uh, Rob says, I feel like Tom hijacked my question now. I asked about Sohu Garassi and I got the history of someone completely different. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, I did touch upon it briefly. I said the age profile, I think, is, is maybe and like the, the one season wonder situation might be why we're not. Uh, as keen on it and the Bundesliga link maybe as well. Um, Sam says, this is like some teams of Malaga and Deportivo La Coruña. Um, spelt horrifically, by the way, Sam. Come on, mate. <laughs> uh, used to be amazing where, uh, as now that this is in regards to you saying about players um, having a good couple of seasons and then fading away. You you are right. Uh, teams do tend to, to do that. Uh, they do tend to kind of just fade away sometimes um and you know can fall out the league entirely uh you raised two good examples in in spain um in the bundesliga we've seen the likes of hamburg fall away hamburg used to be you know a, a side competing in european um situation i think van der vaart you know playing for hamburg i remember the dutch connection that they had i remember there was, was it fifa 06 there was a video on fifa 06 about the dutch connection was it um i'm trying to think who it was it was, it was definitely Van der Vaart. Was Van Bommel one of them as well? I'm really testing my, my footballing knowledge today. Let's have a quick look. Was it Van Bommel? No. Who was the who was the Hamburg uh, Dutch connection? FIFA 06. Definitely FIFA 06, I'm sure. I remember this video from 
FIFA 06 Dutch connection. Uh, this is a video. Oh, I hope it doesn't play sound. Don't play sound. Just, let's get rid of that. No, it's a video unavailable now. See, I, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Does anyone remember the Dutch connection video that was uh, that, <laughs> that played in FIFA 06? I'm sure it was FIFA 06. Someone will tell me. Um, yeah, or the or was it called the Orange Connection rather than the Dutch Connection? It might have been called the Orange Connection. Uh, let's have a quick look if it was. Um, no, it's not coming up now. That's going to bother me. By tomorrow, I will have this sorted out. I will have this. I will have this video um, found because I am certain that it was Hamburg that this video they played was it Hunter? Yeah, Huntelaar might be a good shout actually, but I think Huntelaar was Schalke rather than. Hamburg, um, unless it was Schalke that I'm actually meant to be talking about. Um, Van de Vaart, let's have a quick look. I know that this is absolutely riveting listening for you while I try and find out who I was talking about. So, Hamburg 20, yeah, 2005 2008, he was there. Um, so it definitely would have been FIFA 06 or FIFA 07. Oh, that's so irritating. Is there no one that was old enough to remember this game, FIFA 06? Am I really... I'm really pushing things out there. Look. Uh, oh, hold on. Rich says it was Nigel de Jong and Boularu. Oh, Boularu's is a great shout. This could be huge. This could be massive if this is the correct person. Let's have a look. Hamburg, 2004-2006. Khalid Boularu's, Dutch international. I think we've got the other one. We need one more. There's three. There's definitely three. Um, de Jong was the argument. Van der Vaart, Khalid Boularouz, and De Jong. De Jong. Is it Luke De Jong? I mean, he's quite old. I feel like that's still too old for him even. I mean, he is 33. No, it's not that De Jong. Which, was it, which De Jong was it? Is it Nigel De Jong? Nigel De Jong. Let's have a quick look. Come on. If this is true, I'm going to be over the moon with this hamburg 2006 2009 thank you very much thank you very much uh to rich i think it was rich it was indeed rich remembers the video nigel de jong van der vaart and boularouz were the three players on fifa 06's orange connection video um there we go fantastic stuff what a great way to finish the show with some uh nostalgia going back to FIFA 06. That was one of the first FIFA games I played. FIFA 2004, obviously, I play, I remember, but FIFA 06, the one I remember playing the most. It had um, had that song by Doves um, that I can't remember. I'm not going to play it, obviously, for copyright reasons, but that's going to also now bother me. What was the song by Doves? Uh, it was Some City. Uh, Black and White Town um, was the song by Doves in, in FIFA 06, and I remember that being kind of classic classic fifa anyway thank you so much guys for listening really appreciate your time make sure you go and listen to that song straight after that's uh, black and white town by doves it'll bring you back some fantastic memories of fifa 06 um and uh go if you can find orange connection on youtube as well um thank you for listening uh, i do appreciate all of you do drop a like before you go uh it really would really help us out and i'll be back tomorrow also apologies that we did do the show with uh, with james green yesterday he got held up speaking to a premier league football yesterday so it's uh, it's nice to be James, uh, but hopefully we'll be able to reschedule with James very soon. So apologies there was no show yesterday evening, but we are going to reschedule that uh, as soon as we can. Have a fantastic day, people. I'll see you again very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal.
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.